0: I'm picturing the two uh, guitar players here the sort Jewelers. of back-to-back, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder <laughs> looking back at each other as the harmony happens. There's not enough guitar harmony happening these days. Would you agree? I, I do. I uh... yeah. There were a few things that made the 1980s... Uh... What do I say? A special decade.
1: You know, that's odd because I watched a great 1980 movie over the weekend in honor of Ray Liotta. I watched Goodfellas yesterday. I can't believe
0: Ray Liotta died. I know.
1: Well, I, I can believe it. And are there, is there an amount of times you can watch Goodfellas? No. Before it gets old? No. I don't think so. No. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing, <laughs> and it's provided some of the greatest gifts of all time, like Ray Liotta, like like doubling over and losing himself in laughter in, in the lounge with yeah. uh, this fellow. I've used that gift several times in response to tweets when I just can't find the words. Uh, R.I.P. Ray Liotta, dead at sixty-seven. I think it wasn't. Yeah. It was like Friday. I think that he we was found that out.
1: Getting remarried, he was engaged. He was filming a new movie, and it was it was pretty sudden actually. Yeah. that scene too when Joe Pesci when he's laughing at him, and yeah. Joe's like. Oh, well, you think
0: I'm funny? Yeah, you think I'm funny? <laughs> funny how? Joe Pesci. You what think a I'm a clown? Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. A good Monday morning, morning to you, everybody. It's uh, May 30th, uh, just about June here. Uh, Jesperson and Hicks coming up on today's show. Uh, We're excited to check back in with Brandy Moore and she's going to join us. She's literally she says to us, we're figuring out what time we can do our interview. She's like, this is she says, this is like my my absolute must be out. She kind of knows real talk. I mean, sometimes we're like our times are ish because we start getting into these conversations like, for example, you and I might start reminiscing about our favorite (laughs) scenes in Goodfellas. (laughs) She's got to get to the airport. She's in Montreal right now. She was at oh. the Canadian Association of Journalists Awards. Uh, but there's a lot going on. We'll talk to Brandy a little bit about that. But there's a whole bunch of other things going on, including the New York Post. Uh, over the past number of days, and they continue to push that story out, calling the uh, story of Canada's residential schools not the not the overarching story of the schools. Let me be clear, but the the so called rediscovery or the reminder of these uh, mass graves. I mean, the 215 uh, near Kamloops, which sort of started off this national conversation, this national mourning, this national anger. Uh, you'll remember last May, last June into July, and then of course up to the first day. Uh, the first ever National Day for Truth and Reconciliation in Canada. The New York Post is calling the story fake news. And then journalist Terry Glavin in the National Post uh, following up as well with the story just a couple of days ago. And and I know it's got a lot of people talking, that's for sure. Brandy's, if I can tell by her Twitter, furious about it and 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 gut punched are the words that she's using. Uh, says Terry Glavin's headline in the Post two days ago, how the world's media got it wrong on residential school graves we'll talk to brandy about that and then the titan of talk in his regular bi-weekly spot on the show charles adler you'll say but hang on a second he was on the show last week he was live from las vegas we had to check in with him <laughs> of course the news of uh, alberta premier jason kenny's resignation charles will join us now in his regular spot and we've got a lot of ground to cover including the nra convention over the weekend and the rise of what charles is calling the rise of christian nationalism in the u.s it's not just Charles calling it that, but we'll get his take on it. I'm curious what it was in particular that got him thinking about that. Plus, we launch our question of the week today and uh, we're talking about guns uh, for obvious reasons. I know that everybody's still, uh, probably still in some sense of shock over what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, nearly 20 elementary school-aged kids murdered um, by a gunman. A couple of their teachers as well. Uh, and And you can't really find adequate words to talk about that, but we try to endeavor to do so here on real talk and so that is what we'll do by way of our question of the week we wanted to put it in front of you an opportunity uh, for you to have your say with some questions that will allow you to you know select multiple choice answers and then some fill in the blanks so you can kind of pour out exactly how you're feeling you can take our question of the week every week presented by our friends at y station uh, by under the connect link at ryan under the sponsors link on our website you'll also find The teams, the groups, the partners, the amazing supporters that keep this show going every single weekday morning. And that includes our title sponsor, Bitcoin Well. I know a lot of people have been trying to make sense over the past number of years, most especially maybe the last year or two, the role that Bitcoin will play in the future of finance, whether it's where people are saving their money or how transactions are completed or so-called financial sovereignty. It's for some people in a big way. Uh, They call them Bitcoin maximalists. And for other people, you go, I don't even understand the first thing about this. If you're endeavoring to learn a little bit more, I recommend you talk to Benny and his team at Bitcoin. Well, they'll take any question. Trust me. You'll find them under the Sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com.
2: Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: As mentioned, our good friend Brandy Morin uh, in eastern Canada this weekend in the beautiful city of Montreal. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's where she still is. We'll find out in just a second for the CAJ Awards, the National Awards for the Canadian Association of Journalists. And it's uh, where Canada's top storytellers go to celebrate excellence in their craft. Brandy herself, an award-winning Cree Mohawk French journalist based out of our home province of Alberta. And her work has been uh, featured all over the place, including The Guardian, The New York Times, Al Jazeera English, CBC Indigenous, El Canada, Vice, and she's got a new podcast documentary just released with Canada Land. We want to ask her about that. Brandy joining us live on this Monday morning. Thank you for making time for us, friend, and, and welcome back to the show. It's good to see you. Brandy, we just need you unmuted. I think we got you uh, muted right now. Yes. Well, there Thank we go. You. I can hear your voice. It's good to see you. Thanks for making time Thompson. for us. Yeah. You're
3: yeah, how from was you? Quebec. I mean, yeah, from Montreal.
0: Yeah. You had uh, an opportunity to at- attend the CAJ Awards, Canadian Association of Journalists Awards this weekend. And I want to ask you about that. But it, it seems to me and I've been following you along. I, I mean, I'm always checking out your tweets, but it looks to me like you you had a chance to kind of go investigate some of your own family history over the course of the weekend. Yeah. You were on you were on what looked to be a pretty meaningful adventure.
3: Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is something that I've wanted to do for years, and I didn't even connect it, Ryan, because uh, I, I was coming to the CHAs, and I always have a lot of different things going on, but when I got here, the second day I got here, I just realized that Ganawage is, you know, about you know twenty half half an hour drive away, and I have ancestors from Ganawage. So, you know, one of my grandfathers traveled uh, to Alberta. He was a voyager. He was called the Sun Traveler or Karaquante. and he uh, traveled to Alberta. Uh, in the fur trade and he intermarried with the Cree, with my Cree ancestors. And I've always wanted to go back because I've always been um, fascinated with that part of my heritage, you know, uh, the Haudenosaunee heritage. And so I decided, oh, I'm gonna do it. And it was absolutely like incredible. I mean, I only had, you know, half a day But, um, you know, like when I was there, like we have blood memory in us, okay, because we carry the DNA of our ancestors and it's scientifically proven, you know, that we have uh, this blood memory. And so I was there and I was like, wow, you know, I could be walking in the same areas of care as Kara Kwante or his parents and other. you know family members that you know were dreamers like me and uh sun travelers and I could be you know where they prayed where they prayed for their future generations where they prayed for me and it was uh just beautiful and I swear there was um there was just a little welcoming because I don't really even know anybody from there you know nowadays and so I was go there I went there and there was these beautiful little blackbirds and they were um they were singing to me and it was, oh my gosh, it was, it was amazing. And then I went and uh, met with uh, elder uh, Billy Two Rivers and he was a world, you know, champion wrestler and uh, he's um, 87 now. And I went and visited him in the uh, long-term care facility that he lives in. And he was able to tell me the stories of uh, Cara Quante. And um, he said to me, you know, like your family it doesn't matter how long you guys have been away but you know your family and i just i was um incredibly grateful and he said you ha- you have to come you and the others because like uh care quante you know he fathered a legacy in alberta uh we're part of the michelle band that was originally located west of edmonton uh just outside of st albert and um Our band was corruptly enfranchised, you know, by the government and um, we have, uh, you know, gotten together again and we've been in, uh, it's a long story, but we've been in, um, you know, talks with the feds for recognition again, right? And so it's kind of, it was kind of like a coming, like a coming home and it was really it was really amazing, and I'm actually still trying to take it in because yeah. it was just yesterday. Well, so. and, and I'm
0: watching, and I'm seeing that I'm, I mean, observing your posts, and you share it. I want to show our audience this as well. This this uh, incredible video. By the way, my my son Wyatt. Uh, just had, uh, an annual powwow at his school on the Friday. And he came home, uh, just, just talking about the significance of this. And, and they had obviously a learning opportunity there and they had the elders come in and, and, um, and indigenous leaders and storytellers come in and erect this massive teepee outside their school. It was just amazing. And so that was kind of, that that was it. Uh, well, I don't say where he goes to school, Brandy, but, but near in sort of central Edmonton at an elementary school in central Edmonton. Very cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, he was, I mean, he's just been talking about it all weekend. Um, you know, he didn't even know what he was getting into. Right. He says, but I'm showing some video. video Yeah. This is what you posted. Tell us what we're seeing Yeah, But
3: I went across to Kanesatake. So there's Kanawake and then there's Kanesatake. That's where if you everybody would be familiar with the oka you know crisis right and they're another uh uh, mohawk community and i actually know some people there and i visited with them and seen the pines and of course a little bit of the beauty of you know the culture there yeah 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 it was it was incredible and i'm and i'm going back it was too quick
0: (laughs) i wanted to uh i wanted to kind of lead with this so to speak because i I just think it, it it is so important and it and it sort of is a reminder of you know you having an opportunity there it's I don't know it's not irony it's the opposite of irony but, but 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 this sort of beautifully dovetailed experiences you had this weekend you know you're you're there surrounded by you know dozens or hundreds of your peers these journalists across canada yourself among them of course um and then also you have this opportunity to really get into your family's history and and like you said your blood history and and, and i was curious i wanted to ask you what sort of an impact that has you're telling us that you're still processing it which is understandable but But if it sort of reiterates to you, maybe uh, the importance of what you're doing, the storytelling that you're doing in particular through an indigenous lens.
3: If it reiterates, um, I mean, yes, because you know what, Ryan, like my cook, my grandmother passed away in in, uh, 2008 and we were very, very close. But at that time, uh, there was a lot that um, I was unaware of. And I mean, I knew that she attended this convent, but I didn't know what a residential school was at that time. I didn't, you know, know, like it wasn't, you know, talked about a whole lot, a lot. So it wasn't until I became a storyteller, a journalist myself, and I started uh, investigating you know, uh, our history and, you know, this, uh, you know, telling Indigenous stories that I really found out about a lot of these things. And, and and it's like it's been like that way for a lot of our people, too, because they may have, you know, parents, grandparents or other relatives that um, have been affected by the residential school legacy or other, you know, violence of colonialism. But it a lot of times it wasn't talked about. It was uncomfortable and very traumatic. But I mean, it was seen. It may have not been talked about, but it was seen. Mm. And it was seen in the form of a lot of brokenness, a lot of, like in my family, there was, uh, you know, my, my cookum struggled with alcoholism and m- most of all of her relatives and, and siblings died of addictions related, you know, uh, tragedies. And so I seen those effects. I just didn't know what they were mm. uh, from. And so, um, yes, I mean, it, this, it's been a whole journey and, and, and being the journalist that, you know, specializing in Indigenous stories, it's a journey of reclamation and reconciling my own uh, identity as well, because I had, you know, the exposure to the, uh, you know, all of the, um, what, what would you call it, um, all of the consequences that came out, you know, of, you know, uh, the colonial violence, you know, that our, our people had uh, been faced with and and still are faced with. So absolutely it is a, it's kind of like a, it, it was like a coming home, you know, um, but there's still a, a long journey ahead. And yes, yeah, so I'm, so I'm, I, I just feel blessed because not everybody can come, you know, this way and be able to experience that. And I even said like, it, it really hit me because, like, not everybody can trace their roots literally back to, like, millennia Yeah, um, where they're at. And I can do that in Alberta through my Cree heritage. I can do that here, you know, in um, Ganawage through my Haudenosaunee heritage. I can't necessarily do that through my French heritage. I have to go back, you know, to Europe. But um, this was an incredible opportunity, you know, to... Um, just to walk, walk there, walk in these footsteps and to just revitalize all of these, uh, uh, you know, pieces about, you know, us and our people that were stifled for a long time.
0: You you uh, last joined us on uh, April 7th, I think it was, and, and we were talking to you about uh, what a remarkable experience, a powerful experience it was for you to be at the Vatican uh, as the Pope apologized for the, the Catholic roles, uh, Catholic Church's role in, in residential schools, and we talked at that time, uh, and, and I so appreciated your candor in that interview about the the emotional toll that it takes on you uh, to do this reporting. I mean, you've you've traveled li- literally across the country, and you've spoken to people, you've spoken to survivors, and and you've seen the multi generational impacts of these residential schools. I wanted to. Establish That context for what I want to ask you about now, which is this New York Post story uh, that's got everybody talking about. Uh, I mean, it's obviously one of the biggest newspapers in, in the world. Uh, and the headline reads biggest fake news story in Canada. Kamloops mass grave debunked by academics. And you've told us how you've felt about it by way of your Twitter account. And, and you tweeted uh, just the other day. This was just yesterday. Quote, the anger and shock I felt last night, you write, burst out into rebuking Bernie, in corporate tabloid that New York Post. You say, I'm sickened, gut punched, and I felt suffocated from that pain and disbelief. Take us into how you're feeling and why.
3: So you know we get the residential school you know deniers and such you know here and there but i was just stunned to see uh a newspaper or a media uh, organization as large as the new york uh post share something like that uh publish something like that because uh I mean, I, I had known of it, but I didn't know much about it. And afterwards, I was told by some people that apparently it's kind of morphed into more of a tabloid style uh, publication. But it, it doesn't matter because people take that literally and, um, you know, they have millions of followers. And for the deniers that are out there or for people that are still... Um, you know, caught in the grips of ignorance and racism, that is fuel to their fire and that is fuel for further harm and further violence. And I just was, um, I, on Fri—on Friday, or sorry, on Saturday night when that came out, um, I was just feeling like, like my heart was ripped out and that I was literally like experiencing flashes of in my mind of like, just wanting to uh, hit a punching bag. And it was just these mixed feelings, but I just like, I, I thought of the survivors that I've interviewed over the years. And even the survivors who have shared with me firsthand accounts of them, uh, you know, seeing their, school classmates or their cousins you know dying in front of them in residential school and one survivor actually more than one two two I, I interviewed that were forced to dig the graves for their classmates and you know the you know Bernard Anderson that I interviewed for the CBC a few years ago he ran away from an Indian residential school in Inuvik with his two friends in in the 70s. And they tried to make it home to Tukta And uh, his two friends died. They didn't make it. And he was a kid and he was the only one that made it. And they're saying in this article that there's no proof. Where are the bodies? And that, you know, this is the biggest, you know, fakest news, biggest fake news story in Canadian history. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, our people have have lived through this and witnessed this and have known this. It's just the world that has only known about it for the last year, and 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 it's so frustrating that there are these, um, you know, deniers. It's like, what is the point of what they're doing? We all know about the crimes and the violence and the, um, <clears throat> you know, everything that was done. Um, In the name of hate we're not the first peoples that this kind of violence was done to you know there are other uh you know uh, races other cultures where things like this have happened to and i don't understand why they want to be you know attacking uh what they you know what they say and and in in the article one of the professors says people won't speak out against it because canadians are feeling guilty so they're feeling quiet Maybe if you're feeling guilty, you should sit with that guilt. You should, you know, the, 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 the authorities that did it should feel guilty. You should feel guilty about the, um, you know, the uh, idleness that you're enabling right now for all of the continued, you know, violence that is happening to our people. And whoever said, yes, I know this process of reconciliation and, and healing and everything is ugly. It's rough. Um, but we have to move through these emotions, but there, there comes a time when that has gone too far. That is to me, hate speech that they are promoting. And, um, you know, Maxine Bermer, I don't know if you've seen his tweet, but he, he shared it and uh, in agreement that it was fake news. And, uh, you know, there's over 500 and some retweets and that tells you where a lot of people are at. And, um. I just felt hurt and, and protective of, you know, the survivors and their families. And um, just the, because our people are still, a lot of our people are still living under oppression and racism. And so that will incite and encourage, you know, more violence. And I was just stunned that this so-called, you know, leader, um, this, you know, Maxime Bermer, that he had the audacity to, um, you know, to put something like that out And if that does not tell you um, The moral character of a person Then, you know, I don't I don't really know what else does It just comes from a complete place of hate and denial Yeah, Anyways.
0: so this is the leader of the People's Party of Canada Everybody knows Maxime Bernier Yeah, just, I mean, just declares it was fake news And then he links to the story I mentioned this one This is sort of the Yeah. It, there, there are these two stories running, right, Brandy? One of them is in the New York Post, the American publication, obviously, and then one in, in the National Post, Terry Glavin, who, you know, the headline, The Year of the Graves, How the World's Media Got It Wrong on Residential School Graves. Uh, Mr. Glavin argues that and, and, and speaks to, uh, you know, including Indigenous leaders, uh, you know, like including in, in Saskatchewan, for example, where he says, um, you know, these, these graves are, are not necessarily residential school graves they could be catholic cemeteries right where wooden yeah. crosses have long since decayed or disappeared and so there's no no record of who is buried there etc um, the new york post story is arguing and th- this individual that you mentioned this professor it's it's jacques riard a professor at university de montreal says uh, quote if cultural genocide happened at the school there should be excavations uh, mm-hmm. but everything is kept vague uh, he says, uh, Canadians feel guilty, so they keep quiet, as you referenced. We've had an opportunity to speak with Indigenous leaders from some of these communities and to talk about you know, the excavations and whether or not that would happen, and if so, when or how it would happen. And it seems to me to be, on a case-by-case basis, a decision that would be made by each community. Um, can, I mean, I, I guess I don't really know how to frame the question, but what would be your yeah. response to the assertion that excavations have to happen to 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 sort of prove the reality yeah. of what the ground penetrating radar has has exhibited or has indicated,
3: yeah. I mean, yes, you're exactly right. It's a case by case basis. I mean, the graves are still being unearthed and discovered across the the country. I mean, the New York Post did put in that article that there's been 800 graves found since then, and it's way more than that. And I just want to point out that even the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, you know, uh, officially confirmed in their report several years ago 4,000 deaths, but there are up to 30,000. And 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 you got to understand, it was cover up after cover up after cover up and there were poor poor records you know kept and so this um this uh massive undertaking that by the way the truth and reconciliation asked the funding for from the federal government, uh, you know, about 10 years ago to start, uh, researching and looking into this back then. And they were denied that. And it was the first nations themselves that started putting, you know, their own resources in, uh, to searching, you know, for answers. And after these bodies were found in Kamloops, then the feds came up with more money and some of the provinces, you know, came on board to help fund, um, you know, these, you know, these, um, these searches. And so from what I understand, you know, um, uh, to come up, uh their leadership there are looking into you know excavations and um again i'm not familiar with the literally you know hundreds and hundreds of first nations across the country you know what their individual plans are but i know that they are at various stages right now of either using the ground penetrating radar you know method or um you know other other methods, but I can tell you that I have been to grave sites where for you know former students have you know recounted burying their fellow classmates being forced to dig. Uh, I have heard, heard firsthand accounts of you know the you know uh, children dying and then witness them dying and being taken away and in many cases uh, you know never seeing them again and never being told what happened to them, not only them but their parents never seeing you know their children again. So it is an absolute nightmare. It's like a horror story, but it's true life. And, um, you know, I think that the communities, despite their grieving and pain, are doing the best that they can, uh, you know, throughout this process. And I really don't think it's up to this professor or anybody else, you know, frankly, outside of these communities to tell them what they need to do. Uh, you know, throughout this process. So I know that our people know and the survivors know, you know, what occurred and they knew long before it was revealed to the to the world.
0: Uh, Real talker Sharon Moran's watching this live. I've had a chance to meet Sharon uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Just a wonderful human being. She says, I'm I'm just so sick and tired of always having to prove to non-Indigenous people our history, you know, the good, the Mm -hmm. bad and the ugly. Jillian's watching. By the way, Jillian made her Real Talk debut Uh, absolutely nailed it last week uh, talking about the CBC French debate. She says, how many Catholic cemeteries are outside schools that white children attended? How many white children are unaccounted for? How many white children witnessed classmates Mm -hmm. being murdered? Mm -hmm. Fair comment. What did you uh, notice trend wise uh, when it came to who and what was recognized and celebrated in Montreal over the weekend at the CAJ awards, the Canadian association of journalists?
3: (laughs) I mean, it was awesome because it was my first experience like attending the CAJs and it was unreal and I loved it. But um, of course, we know that my friend and colleague, Amber Bracken, she won, uh, you know, the photojournalist of the year. And I am just really, really proud of her because she was arrested in November uh, for doing her job as a photojournalist and she was jailed for three days and she went back you know, a month and a half later, back to the same place and was determined, you know, to uh, do what she does, you know, best. And so, I mean, everybody was freaking out that she won and it was amazing. I mean, um, there was, you know, I, I follow like the in, Indigenous uh, reporters and and some of the mainstream, but I mean, APTN won an award, uh, Kathleen Martins. And um, you know what, though, I noticed that there was a lot of indigenous stories written by journalists that were up for awards and yeah. i was really uh impressed by the amount that i saw and that shows that you know indigenous stories are being covered you know more and more and i i would say like the ratio was actually really high with how many how many of those uh, type of stories that were up and, and one. And um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was great.
0: Yeah. I was noticing the same thing and, and it's like, number one, I think it indicates that there's, there's more of an impetus for those stories to be told. Obviously that's in, in this country for at least the last year. Um, that's where a lot of the focus has been. Number two, it shows that some of the best storytellers and some of the best photographers in the country uh, are putting their efforts towards telling these stories with still a lot more work to do, um, which leads me to this. Uh, you've been partnering up with the folks at Canada Land and you've just released or they've just released with, with your efforts behind it, your first podcast documentary. Uh, yeah. before, I know you got to get to the airport, but tell us about this really quick, Brandy.
3: Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much, Ron. You know, I pitched this story all over the place for three years and nobody took it. And I finally like picked it or pitched it to Canada land in the form of a podcast doc. And they took it, they sent me to the Tooth a nation uh, in so-called North Vancouver. And I, uh, you know, met the community members told this unbelievable, incredible story of these, you know, ancient packs that they have with the, um, the sea wolves there, uh, which are known as southern uh, resident killer whales, and um, you know, they're—I was just absolutely blown away—and their fight against the expansion of the Trans Mountain pipeline. Um, I'm really thankful. I, it's told from an indigenous perspective. There's some really, really powerful, incredible uh, stories that the members share with me in there. And I just really encourage everybody to go check it out. Uh, Yeah, it's a story that you will remember forever and that you will be impacted by, and yet you will view uh things differently by if you if you listen to it so hi hi for that yes.
0: I've, I've got it on my phone and it's going to be my dog walk <laughs> accompaniment today brandy i've, I've got hey. my time dedicated and i can't wait to check it out um uh, you've got to run to the airport but i have to ask you i mean i wanted to save this for the end because it's not oh. the most important question but <laughs> cypress hill
3: oh my gosh <laughs> yes how cool is that so <laughs> where,
0: where was this
3: here- this was outside our hotel, like where the CAJs are. And, um, I was outside, right. And, uh, I was standing there and I kept seeing like these guys, these rapper guys and stuff. I saw them like a couple of times. Right. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, I just smelled a whole bunch of like, ganja is what they would call it back in the day and I was I just said to myself like I was stereotyping them right away I'm like those guys are rappers you know (laughs) I did right but then I was like well they look pretty friendly I'm just gonna go say hello and I was with one of my colleagues and and I just started talking to them but then one of them had a Cypress Hill logo yeah and I you know and then they said they're Cypress Hill and I'm like and they're like, we just did a show here. And they invited me actually to go to um, Quebec City. They said, we'll give you tickets, come on over there. And I'm like, well, how far is Quebec City? They're like three hours. And I'm like, oh no, I, I can't make it. They were incredible. They were so cool. And they were our age. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, it took me back to a 13 year old, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, insane in the membrane, you know? So that was really neat. They were chill. They were, they were really good. They were really cool. <laughs>
0: Oh man. I mean, it, you know, and I can see, I love the photo that you posted too. He's just got one burning right there. He's just like, what, what a photo. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So did you, did you, or didn't you imbibe Brandy? I don't know if I could help myself. I might, I might have to ask you, that's a, it's, it's, it's one story to say you met Cypress Hill. It's another one to say you smoked a joint with Cypress oh, Hill. Oh my These gosh, I don't. Stories. And I haven't
3: for years. <laughs> I have not for years in the no way. But if you want to know something in Montreal, I don't know what it is about this place. Maybe I don't get out much, but no, I was in Vancouver and stuff. But everywhere you go, you smell, you smell weed everywhere, mm. everywhere you walk on the street. Everywhere I'm in like, Montreal, you- really? I'm like, is this the capital of <laughs> mm. and, I, and sometimes you like you're walking down and you're like, sometimes you go back to that old mold, like it's illegal. Yeah. And then you realize like it's out, open, but here and it's like summer here. It's gorgeous. Like yesterday, it was like 25 or something. And here, you smell it everywhere you walk. Maybe it's just because I'm downtown. I don't know.
0: (laughs) It's finding you, my friend. I don't know. Hey, listen, we got to let you run or you're going to miss your plane. And then you won't do any more interviews with us. So we can't have that. Brandy, uh, such a fan. And people need to check out your Canada Land documentary right now. They can follow you on Twitter. Find all the links at Songstress28. Thank you for doing this, my friend.
3: Hi, hi. Have a good one. Thank you.
0: You got it. That's journalist Brandy. Morin. Uh, I'm curious for your thoughts on the, I mean, this bigger picture, this commentary. It's happening in Canada and the U.S. Maybe we'll ask Charles Adler about it in just a second. He's going to be joining us at the National Post, the New York Post, both invoking that Trumpian phrase, fake news, talking about uh, these unmarked mass graves outside the sites of former residential schools in Canada. Talk at Ryan Jesperson.com is where you can send us an email. Your thoughts are. I've, I've seen a ton going on in the live chat right now. If you if you sit with this, if you're walking with this later in the day, if you're kind of digesting this over the, the next number of days, who knows? Maybe it'll be a, a trash talk submission uh, to talk at Ryan Charles Adler coming up in just a little bit. First things first. I wanted to remind you that we have our inaugural, our first ever Real Talk Golf Classic coming up Thursday, June 23rd at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. We still have a few spots available for foursomes. You go to ryanjesperson.com, you click on events and the Real Talk Golf Classic, and you'll find the registration link there. We tee off at two o'clock. It's going to be an amazing day of golf. Uh, if somebody hits a hole-in-one, there's, the hole-in-one prizes are amazing. we
1: got to have, like, a gong or something.
0: Yeah, we'll have a big deal. Like well, a there's going to be a, a Jeep there that you can win, uh, courtesy can of St. Win. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. You, unfortunately, my friend, are Damn ineligible. It. And not just because the chances of you or I hitting a hole-in-one <laughs> are very slim. But I think if that if that ace drops, we'll have to just give that horn a workout on the Jeep. Sure. Because somebody's going to take it home. Oh, yeah. Uh, $40,000 cash up for grabs. We've got great food and beverages through the day. A steak dinner at the end of the day. And Infamous is going to be DJing.
4: Flair, 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 Flair.
0: Day and night <laughs> from the course and then during the dinner as well. All in support of the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. We'd love to have you there golfing with us on Thursday, the 23rd of June. Again, all the details at ryanjesperson.com. Just click on events. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to invite you to join them in Fort Saskatchewan for a free weekend event. It's June 3rd through the 5th. 23 different bands to check out. It's the Big Bands Bash in Fort Saskatchewan. You can check out all the details on their website, Friesen.com. That's coming up June 3rd through 5th. This coming weekend, what a celebration of family and, of course, good food. All the details at Friesen.com. Our friends at Grand Dog Essentials want to remind you on their website, granddog.ca, if you've got questions about how quality raw food might benefit your dog or even your cat, I know we think of dogs when we think Think of Grand Dog Essentials, but they've got a whole new lineup uh, they under their blog. You can check out. There's so many great resources there. I always just drop in uh, to see what I can learn about. Maybe why is my dog refusing their food? Or what about probiotics and prebiotics? How do you properly thaw and store raw dog food? And again, more information for the cats, too. You just go to Shop Now in the drop-down menu. There it is, cats. You can find some of the raw food there that's perfect for your cat as well as you endeavor to maybe make their life, the quality of life, the absolute best it can be. The promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first-time order at granddog.ca. At parkpower.ca, you can right now, today, compare rates on what you're paying versus what you could be paying for internet, electricity, and natural gas. If you bundle your utilities together through Park Power, you can save money. Plus, save even more when you sign up, when you bring your business over there. The promo code 2022 talk gets you $70 off your first bill at parkpower.ca. You know, I was doing some, uh, I was going to say landscaping. That was just an absolute lie. <laughs> I don't lie. think you're landscaping. I wasn't doing any landscaping. <laughs> I don't know why I even wanted to call it that. It's called mowing your lawn, weeding. Yeah. Uh, spring cleanup, maybe. Raking we're, up some stuff. Doing some raking, yeah. like some basic raking. Mm. I had, the, I had the blower out, cleaning things up. I was really feeling, I got some dirt under my nails over the weekend. <laughs> and at the end of it, I looked at my lawn and I just thought, gosh, this looks terrible. <laughs> I, I was going to say. It's life. No, it, didn't, it doesn't look good at all. It looks like a beautifully mowed, terrible lawn. And that's the reality when you have life with two dogs. I was thinking, I got to call Eden Landscaping and get this thing figured out. You know, they got solutions no matter what your challenge is. It might not be the dog spots. All the dog owners know about that. Maybe it's just that your yard's uninspired. Maybe it's that cookie cutter yard that you got with your new house. The builder does all the yards the same. That one lonely tree and just a whole bunch of sod. Eden Landscaping can bring your outdoor space to life. You can learn more and check out their portfolio at landscapeedmonton.ca. How was your weekend? Any any landscaping for you, <laughs> I <didn't, laughs> No, I didn't get to any. Lands. It's funny you
1: say that, though, because when I, when I do something in the yard or like mow or like, you know, like even like, you know, sweep the dirt into the flower bed. I'm always like I come in and I, I put my hands on my belt and I pull up my pants. And my wife's like, just stop it. OK, you're 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 an amateur. <laughs> like, what do you think? <laughs> you know, uh, we were actually driving, though, out uh, near Devon on a Saturday and just looking at the huge pieces of land out there on farms and just the perfectly manicured lawns. And she's just like, that is landscaping. And it's just, it looks beautiful out there. And those people, man, it must take hours to mow those lawns.
0: Well, it does take hours. Like you talked to, we have, we have relatives that have, you know, rural properties and, you know, you, you sign, it's like I, I say to my uncle Clark out near Stony Plain, I say, How long does it take you to mow your line? He goes, Yeah, a couple hours, a few hours, that sort of a thing. But you know what? The key is a nice riding mower with a cup holder on it. <laughs> so That's all a a it's all a guy needs. It's all a guy needs to be able to be content out there. wearing your aviators, just, you know, <laughs> the, just driving, you know, you got these riding mowers. That, so how did you spend your weekend? You I spent
1: my weekend working. Uh, yeah. It's uh, wedding season and event season is in full swing. Uh, you know, people are happy to be able to get together again and see each other without, uh, you know, well, there's still that fear in the back of your mind of COVID, but you know, you're know, getting together and dancing and doing whatever. Uh, but I met a lot of real talk fans. As Was that you, right? Yeah, and I'm getting – like I used to get noticed for being on the radio or a DJ or with the Oilers. and Now it's like, hey, uh, I hear you on the show. You're pretty good. Oh, great. Pretty good. But I uh, did a Casa – uh, great organization I did their staff Appreciation event On
0: Friday Children uh, and youth Mental health yeah. They do amazing work So
1: I met uh, Three fans there And then on Saturday I did uh, a wedding uh, Melanie And uh, here they are Right here Melanie and Chad Romanchuk Beautiful All right on. You ever meet a couple And you're like Man they're gonna Have a beautiful baby They're just <laughs> like, so, like I don't mean to be Did like, you tell them that but, yeah, I was just like You guys are very Attractive um, But they also said Hey Like we love Real talk And uh, you know Since you've been on we, we we heard you back in the city. We had to have... Because they had another DJ. And they came to me instead and said, hey, you're back. Oh, wow. We want you. I won't mention the DJ. They name. broke up with the other DJ. Yeah, but we had an absolute ball. Look at this reel that he put up after. This was after my two-hour set because it closed at 12. Sure. This was the dance floor. This is how hard these uh Ukrainians, Romanchuk, obviously partied. It is
0: absolutely... I love you didn't say these people, these wedding goers. You're like, this is how hard these Ukrainians they stomp, party.
1: right? Like, they stomp along to every song. This was... The venue actually got a little, not teed off, but they were like, what in the world after? So for
0: people listening to the podcast, <laughs> basically we're seeing, like, it looks like the parquet floor, the, the Boston Celtics floor, except yeah. it's just busted up. It's All the tiles destroyed. are busted up. It's destroyed. But from they... these Yukies having a great time. <laughs> Yeah, I love it.
1: They wanted to say, uh, you know, I wanted to give them a shout out and congratulate them. And also they wanted to say hi to you and and just, uh, you know, they love you. They support you.
0: And we talked
1: a bit about the Real Talk Golf Classic, but it was at like 1230 with the lights on. So I'm not sure we might
0: need to remind them. Yeah, they were celebrating. Yeah, I've got a lot of people that have promised me they're going to be at the Golf Classic, but it's always (laughs) like in the third period of the Battle of Alberta. And I'm like, I said, I I, I better float these folks a reminder than Well, a huge shout out to them. That's very cool stuff. Um, let's find out what our next guest was doing over the weekend. Last time we talked to Charles Adler, it was uh, live from Las Vegas, baby. He was <laughs> kind enough to to step away from his – I don't know what you had. Was it like a grapefruit mimosa or something, Chuck, that you stepped away from <laughs> for a brief second to talk to us? Well, yeah, just uh, here
4: um, I uh, I stepped away for this. Uh, can everyone see Oh, this? a Perrier. Yes. Uh, the re- reason, I, I, reason I I got some uh, Perrier uh, this morning is because I keep being called a media elite by uh, Polyev's <laughs> crowd. So yeah. since I'm a media elite, I think I should bring Period. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, let, why don't we why don't we tee this up for a second? This you've you've
0: actually served this up for us quite nicely, Johnny. Can we get to this? This is and by the way, you'll have to excuse uh, or to our audience, I'll explain. We're not piping in the rock and roll under Pierre Polyev. This is the video released by his team. He's rocking and rolling and, and talking about the uh, the liberal media elite. Here's the context, and then we'll get to Adler. I'm undefeated in seven consecutive
5: elections in a big Ontario multicultural city. That's because I don't try to go through the liberal media to get my message out. I go around them. I deliver my message to millions of people through social media that we're seeing in the tens of thousands who have been coming out to my rallies, people who have never voted conservative before in their lives.
0: I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't talk to the what? media. I go around them. <laughs>
4: Your thoughts? That's <laughs> just, just such bullshit. It's like every everything he does. I mean, you know, b- before I excommunicated Jason Kenny or Jason Kenny excommunicated me, I mean, Pierre Polyev wanted to get on my show as often as possible. And uh, full disclosure, I met Pierre Polyev in Calgary uh, many years ago, and uh, he was uh, considered a Wunderkind. Uh, I I don't want to get overly personal here. Uh, I did consider him very, very smart, but he was, um, I'm going to try to keep this clean. He was creepy. Okay. He just kind of, he just kind of creeped me out. I, I, I I knew in my bones that he would be successful at anything he engaged in, but he creeped me out. But at the time I didn't know that Pierre Polyev would become a, a world-class bullshitter, which is of course what's happened. By the way, um, I I don't, I want to, dot some i's and cross some t's uh, i just had a you know, an ordinary weekend uh, lots of reading uh, lots of walking uh, lots of fun you know i've got got passion for for everything i do these days it's, it's been it's been a, a wonderful life but uh, did, did your producer did john w- w- was he caught on a podcast just moments ago Lusting after a bride and groom, or is that just my um, no? Come on, imagination. Yeah, no, I think I think Jeez. that's exactly what just happened, no, Charles. Come on, that, 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 that's what I heard. <laughs> because I I don't know what I, I I don't, know. I'm not. I'm not Pierre Polyev. I'm not a I'm not a bullshitter. It's 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 no. real talk, and I'm just giving it to you. The, the unvarnished truth. That's what you're, I'm not. It's I'm not real talk. It is real talk. I
1: literally said to them after the ceremony, I went up, and you know when you're just awestruck by people, I was like,
0: you guys are hot.
1: That's what I said. I just said it. it just came out.
0: It's okay. I I, I was uh, Chuck. I always like to refer to people as beauties. You know, I'll say to someone, oh, you beauties. I love you guys." Or thanks, beauties. Then I was picking up dinner the other night from a from a local establishment, and and as as she hands me the uh, the bag of food, I walked out of there and I looked at her and her colleague, and I said, "Thanks, babies." And then I had to throw on the brakes immediately and turn around and we all kind of had our jaws drop. And I said, that was definitely not what I intended to say. And we all burst. <laughs> we all burst out <laughs> laughing. So I can I can recognize the feeling, John. Um, th- your excuse, I guess, is that they were both looking pretty solid in, in tux and wedding gowns. Especially so, on you, your wedding day. You may have done been a little up. may have been a little starstruck, yeah. may have been a little bit you know canned, it's like you know like great like the old uh chuck what are the old sort of the looney tunes you know I, i'm thinking of uh, bugs bunny when what was, what was what was his crush bugs remember every time he'd see her and he'd just get his eyes would turn into big hearts and he would start uh yeah. babs
1: bunny is it babs was
0: it bunny? babs something like that yeah i don't know that was a long time ago
4: I I think it happens at weddings. I think sometimes both the bride and groom uh, look uh, exceptional (laughs) and um, people uh, get all hot and bothered about it, but they just don't talk about it publicly. So I'm not criticizing John. I'm just uh, congratulating him for being a a hell of a communicator, for (laughs) for saying what so many others are feeling, but they they repress it. John is is comfortable in his own
0: skin. Hey, this is why he's here on Real Talk, because we know no other way. Uh, So you... Over the weekend, and I love you. Keep talking about this, Charles, and it's like I mean, it's just I think it's like speaking to people. You keep talking about this passion you're feeling again. You're like I'm walking, I'm moving around, I'm loving it. This is like this passion yeah. reinfused into you, and a lot of people are are connecting, and it's evident uh, on your social media as well. And you're, you're you're starting to to sort of chime in again on a lot of things, and, and I couldn't help but notice uh, your take uh, on what. Noted. uh, What do you want to call me? I mean, he's 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 famous Um, University of Toronto psychology prof Jordan Peterson author as well, uh, suggesting that he will never forgive the prime minister of Canada that his father was not at his daughter's wedding in the United States over the weekend. He's blaming the PM. And I know that you had something to say about it. I thought I'd set the table for you.
4: Well, you know, Pierre Polyev and others, including Jordan Peterson, have been blaming Justin Trudeau for global inflation, which is, you know, kind of funny uh, on the one hand, serious on the other hand. um, But Jordan Peterson, who has sort of uh, been pampering and diapering and feeding the the anti-vax crowd, uh, now admits of course that he has been vaccinated because he was in the United States attending his daughter's wedding. But for some reason he wanted to complain about his father not being at the wedding and that being Justin Trudeau's fault. I mean, I just I was in Vegas, as you know, a few, few days ago and uh, had to get a rapid uh, test uh, because that's what the Americans demand before we go into the United States. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that because I'm perfectly fine sitting on a plane, uh, in this case, a WestJet plane to Vegas, knowing that everyone on the plane has uh, passed a test. Has, mm-hmm. is, is, is COVID uh, negative? I'm, I'm totally good with that. And of course, if uh, the old man, if old man Peterson uh, had uh, gotten himself uh, vaccinated and gotten himself tested, just like everyone else does, or almost everyone else does. Uh, he could have danced at his at, at his granddaughter's wedding, but Jordan Peterson decides to blame Justin Trudeau for this. Now I, I realize jo- Jordan Peterson is considered an intellectual, a public intellectual, a, a published author, and all of that. But I think lately he's just kind of fallen in love with the the fame and, and the cash flow of hooking up with the with the sort of far right wing ecosystem he just loves the the attention and he's starting to believe his own bullshit i mean it and it it is like when you talk about
0: falling in love like that i've i've not been there yet but but i can understand what it might be like to have literally millions of subscribers right like millions of people watching your youtube videos downloading your podcast i mean even this tweet it doesn't even have to be accurate. I mean, you can blame the prime minister that your dad's not at your daughter's wedding and, and 80,000 people like it. 9,000 people retweet it. I, get it. I mean, you know, accuracy, sure. But, but if you were accurate about why your dad, why your daughter's grandfather wasn't at the wedding, I'm not sure a lot of people would find it that stimulating. But if you make something up that can allow people you – know, so you, you kick the hornet's nest, so to speak, and it resonates – Obviously, we're talking about fake news today in the context of what the New York Post is saying about these residential schools. Um, The real fake news, uh, it sells, doesn't it? And there's really no reason. I mean, you you talked about Pierre Polyev earlier. I'm not grouping them all in together. But if you can say things to rile up your base and further your message without these fact checks that come with, you know, mainstream media interviews, uh, why would you do anything else?
4: We're, we're in the post-truth era, the post-fact era. I mean, there, there's, there's no way to put lipstick on this pig and, and, and not see it as a pig to you and me because, you know, thank, thank goodness uh, we're still grounded. Now, would we be less grounded if we had uh, tens of, of millions of followers? I sure hope we, we still would be. You know, I'm always thinking about, uh, I stand on the, the shoulders of, of my, my mom and dad. Uh, they taught me uh, how to be uh, and how to, how to be real and, and stay real, and, and, and how important honesty was. And I know your mom and dad taught you the same thing. Now, I, don't, I have no idea what Jordan Peterson's parents taught him. I don't want to throw his parents under the bus, but I was just thinking if, if Jordan Peterson's dad was married to my mom, there's no bloody way that he wouldn't be dancing. At his granddaughter's wedding because my mom would uh, you know t- take him down to the to, to, to shoppers or rexall or whatever and uh, make sure that he got the jab and uh, if, if if he was giving her guff about that he would just she he, she would just throw it, his clicker away just tell him to you know get out of the recliner get out of watching fox and, and reading rex and, and doing all those grumpy things that many people do grumping their way all the way to the grave it's no way to live a life but my point is There is no way that my mom would allow him to just sit in that recliner and keep bitching about the world. Uh, She'd be getting him down to the drugstore, get the job, get the test and getting it done. And that is how so many people in this country are right now. You've got a lot of grumpy, mostly grumpy guys, some of whom don't believe in all of this. And thankfully, many of them are married. And I just wanna, I guess, take this opportunity uh, to thank the women of Canada for strongly (laughs) motivating encouraging the men of Canada, their husbands mainly, and boyfriends and dads and uncles uh, to get vaccinated. You know, I, I
0: remember I was involved with the Movember movement in Canada for a long time. I sat on the Movember Edmonton Committee for a number of years. You know what I found uh, was a fascinating statistic. And, and this was a statistic from, I think it was like 2015, 2016. I can't imagine it's changed too much. Um, but but the annual messaging, yes, November is about prostate cancer, and then they evolved the movement to be a, about men's health, which included men's mental health, uh, which is hugely important. Charles you and I both know and, and our audience knows I think that that uh, that men uh, disproportionately die by suicide and that these are conversations that desperately need to happen. When it came to the role that women play, uh, oftentimes in men's health, you know that 75 percent, uh, this was per Movember Canada, the statistic, 75 percent of men's annual physicals in Canada were booked by women. Isn't that wild? 75 percent were booked by women.
4: Well, look, uh, it, we could uh, we could do multiple hours on this and uh, get people on who are real talkers who are listening and, and watching right now. There are thousands of stories across this country of men who would be dead right now, dead, if it weren't for the women in their lives, generally wives, girlfriends, daughters, nieces, strongly encouraging them to take care of business. Because for some reason, I'm not uh, wise enough to know this, and I, I think Peterson is Jordan Peterson's a psychologist, so maybe, maybe you know, in a previous life he would have been able to explain this. But for some reason, men are more likely than women to be in denial of their physical and psychological needs and, and how to service those needs. You know, men are much less likely to want to go to a therapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, whatever, than that, that, that a woman will. And you can interview a number of uh, psychiatrists, whether they're male or female, they'll tell you that. And I think that has stayed relatively consistent over the years, despite a lot of education, 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 a lot of public service campaigns telling people, hey, it's not a stigma. There's something inside uh, the, the the DNA. The, the, uh, you know, I don't want to get into the whole business about uh, uh, the brain science here because uh, it's well above my pay grade. But there is something inside men that keeps them in denial. And thank God, women get us out of it. Appreciate that, Chuck. Uh, I want
0: to ask you about this NRA convention in Houston. Obviously, the timing of it is uh, gross, uh, but uh, but I don't want to uh, I don't want to sort of like impose my view on this. I want to get the Titan of Talks take on it in just a second. We're talking to Charles Adlers. If I need to tell you that really quickly, I want to remind you that our friends at Infinity Healthcare right now, if you're a licensed practical nurse and you're looking for work, or maybe this whole pandemic experience has got you. Realizing that you need a change of pace, right? You've been in the hospitals, you've been there on the front line over the last two years, and you're looking for something a little bit different. Today could be the day that your entire career changes, that you move off in an entirely new and rewarding direction. Infinity Healthcare is looking for licensed practical nurses right now to help transform their clients' home healthcare needs. You got to have two to five years of experience within nursing, be a great communicator and be an individual that inspires those they supervise. You can learn more about what life might be like working with Infinity Healthcare at infinity-8.ca. It's reliable, consistent home care. That's Infinity Healthcare. Our friends at Local Environmental invite you to keep it local. When you're looking for services like water hauling, vacuum trucks, fencing, portable toilets, I saw a real talker by the name of Scarlett over the weekend wondering, do I know anybody in the portable toilets game? I don't know what, maybe she's planning a a festival or a gathering, a charity event. Local Environmental Services works uh, across the prairies, Alberta and Saskatchewan, still family owned. They want to compete for your business. Maybe you're a retailer that's not happy with your garbage or recycling collection. Get in touch with them today at localenvironmental.ca. At Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge, you're going to find Alberta's best selection of Ram trucks and of the entire Jeep lineup as well. Why? Well, number one, because they've got these beautiful big dealerships, but number two, they're able to share their inventory to help you find exactly what you're looking for. So whether you're looking to ramp it up, so you find something you can pull your boat with, pull your family's trailer with, or maybe downsize. Fuel costs have you down. You're looking to downsize. You can find your new whip at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. All right. We're looking to talk to Charles Adler about this NRA convention down in Houston. But first, I want to tee this up. This is a a video. This is, I don't know if you'd call it satire. I don't know if you might call it an intrepid bit of comedy. But this from a group called the Good Liars who infiltrated the NRA convention over the weekend to make a statement. I wanted to play it in its entirety. It's pretty good. Check it out.
5: So I have to say, thank you. The chair recognizes the gentleman at microphone 1A. Thank you, Uh, my name is Jason Selvig and I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. And I would like to say that I am sick and tired of the left wing media and frankly, people in this room today spreading misinformation about Wayne LaPierre. Whenever there's a mass shooting, they all say that Wayne LaPierre isn't doing enough to stop these mass shootings and even implying that Wayne LaPierre has played a part in making it easier for these shooters to, to get guns, to get weapons. You, you heard it after Las Vegas. You heard it after Pulse nightclub in Orlando. You heard it after Columbine. You, you, you heard it after Parkland. You heard it after Virginia Tech. You heard it after Sandy Hook. You heard it after El Paso. You heard it after Buffalo you kept hearing that Wayne LaPierre isn't doing enough. And frankly, that's not true. The NRA under Wayne LaPierre's leadership has provided thoughts and prayers to the victims and their families. And, and maybe these mass shootings would stop happening if, if we all thought a little bit more and we prayed a little bit more. So I'm asking everyone in this room to think, to pray. Give your thoughts and your prayers and your thoughts and your prayers and your prayers and your thoughts. And if we give enough of these thoughts and these prayers, these mass shootings will stop. So I want to thank you. Wayne Lapierre, for all your thoughts and all your prayers. Thank
0: you. Charles, he gets through the entire two-minute address here to Wayne Lapierre at the NRA. His thoughts and prayers. Are at, nobody quite knows what to do with it. I think, which leads me to believe that they figured it was pretty serious and maybe even right on target. No pun intended. What are a weekend you know, to be holding could, the NRA if, convention. If
4: you had a character generator you know, doing a real number on it, you you could put up the words, they don't get it. Mm. They don't. They don't get the issue. They don't even get someone who's, I think at some point, uh, most objective observers is obviously slapping them around, you know, just slapping them around with their own stuff. And they just don't, they just don't get it. And, you know, the, the thing about the, this, this thoughts and prayers business is, and I'm not uh, not a religious person, I don't want to pretend to be a religious person, but I honestly think that uh, when you respond to mass shootings with the thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, uh, I, I think in many ways you're, you're mocking God. Now, I could get above my pay grade talking about neuroscience and how uh, men are more likely to be in denial because of women and it's because of how they're wired. I could also get into a lot of trouble with with theologians, I suppose on this thing but you know even though i'm not a religious person i've had the the benefit of a lot of great teaching great philosophical teaching debate coaching and other pursuits from very very religious people some of them jesuits okay so i do not disparage the minds i do not disparage many of the values that many religious people have but i have yet to meet a religious scholar in any major faith who could ever convince himself and themselves that this business of thoughts and prayers is going to stop a crisis i mean the idea the the japanese have almost no uh, shootings and, and certainly no school shootings is it because the japanese think and pray more none of my jesuit teachers would ever try to make that case i think beyond everything else they're insulting god
0: you know, I've uh, people are checking in on the live chat here and, and Tracy says, you know, I, I think they get the issue. They just don't care. Right. And uh, to me, it's it's like I uh, I don't know. Maybe we're just wired differently. I This is it, to me. It it feels like when it comes to some of the more common sense stuff um, that I might suggest might be common sense. Maybe you might. I mean, you're the, you're the inventor of Canadian common sense. Uh, you might sit there and say, I, I don't know. I mean. I'm not sure an 18-year-old, uh, maybe an 18-year-old with, with mental health challenges or maybe just any 18-year-old should be able to just walk into a store without a background check, without a parental signature, without sort of a waiting period and, and be able to purchase a, an AR-15 and a whole bunch of ammo and body armor. I'm not I'm not sure it makes sense that, that that should be allowed to happen. And and then on the heels of, I don't know, like 20 children, you know, being murdered in cold blood, I, I, I hate even just putting it like that way and sort of like a glib passing fashion because it's just so horrific and gut-wrenching. There are two teachers as well. The husband of one of the teachers dying of a heart attack at 50 years. I mean, it's just the spill-off effect. How many thousands of lives ruined by this Charles? And you sit there and say, like, I'm not sure – not sure that we should be gathering in Houston over the weekend to to celebrate the right to bear arms, to celebrate or stand steadfast in, in the amendment that allows or permits for this. And and and, and then I just kind of go, I, I'm i not sure that there's any meeting in the middle here. That doesn't seem to, I don't see any meaningful action. I mean, President Joe Biden a few days ago saying it's just uh, it's unacceptable. It's unbelievable that, uh, you know, you should be able to buy, you know, an AR-15. What do you need that other than killing humans? Like you're the president, man. You know, like if, if the president's kind of in a sense, throwing up his arms. Like that tweet, basically, Charles was like, "Eh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Like,
4: where's the conversation going? There's a lot of ideological poisoning in in the United States. I never get any uh, pleasure criticizing uh, because, A, I've got many relatives uh, in the United States. I've got many friends, many listeners, uh, did many years there. They were very, very good to me. Uh, So this isn't about, you know, the folks but there is a lot of ideological poisoning. And this is why I really get on my haunches about how the word freedom is abused in this country. Because I've seen this movie. And in the name of freedom, people feel, many of them, I'm not talking about some, multiple millions of people, including NRA members, feel that they will lose freedom. They will lose all of their freedoms if they don't have that second amendment right that they've got uh literally literally t- t- to bear arms it doesn't matter what the founding fathers were all about and how it was about um, a-, a militia the need for a mil- it, 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 not, none of that stuff matters they believe that all of their freedoms are at stake every single one of them if they give an inch on arms and so They will tell people, they they certainly told me, many of them did over the many years I was there, uh, Chuck, you know, school shooting happens, all kinds of horrific uh, gun violence happens. Chuck, this is the price of freedom. And many of the people telling me that were not running for office. uh, They weren't, you know, going public about this. They believed it in their hearts. And that's why I call it ideological poisoning. And I don't know how you get that out of the body politic. I just, I don't know how you do it. And i don't pretend to know
0: i wanted to ask you about this uh before we thank you for your time i on friday uh canada's supreme court struck uh, struck down what what uh the star uh, betsy powell the court reporter for the star out of toronto is calling uh, or quoting as the degrading parole in, ineligibility law for mass murders um it'll have an impact on the sen- sentencing of alec manassian uh, people will remember him killed 10 people in a van attack on toronto's young street back in 2018 but of course we think of other high profile canadian criminals right anytime you talk about parole in extreme circumstances i mean i referenced this with Sapria Vetti, our mutual friend on friday you think of carla homolka for example of course the conversation will go to paul bernardo and others but uh, with regards to the supreme court's ruling I, I was looking forward to asking you how how, how you're processing it. whether you think it's a move in the right direction a curious move what do you think
4: well i didn't like the ruling uh, you know i'm all for consecutive sentences uh, you murder uh, 10 people get get 10 life terms, which means you just stay in the, the bucket forever. I'm, I'm totally for that. And I was for uh, Harper's legislation. But even when I was for Harper's legislation, I was very well aware uh, from constitutional lawyer, friends of mine, some of whom were right of center, some of whom were left of center, that this would never pass Supreme Court muster. That, uh, and, and, and of course, it didn't. Uh, more, most of the judges on the court are, are Harper-appointed uh, judges. It wouldn't pass Supreme Court muster because the Charter is the Charter, and although there aren't the words aren't specifically in the Charter, the Charter is, um, you know, that's that's where we derive our, our rights from. Um, the, the, the Charter would not allow justices uh, to say that one murderer uh, gets uh, the opportunity, not paroled, but the opportunity to get a hearing after 25 years. And the other one gets uh, the opportunity after 200 years, meaning never gets the opportunity because of what the charter is really all about. And it really is all about equality. No justice, whether they're conservative, liberal, or, 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 or neither, uh, all of the above, it doesn't matter. Um, this is um, not that difficult uh, an issue for, for justices to deal with, it's open and shut. And by the way, um, Stephen Harper knew that it was open and shut. Stephen Harper knew that this wouldn't pass muster. So over the weekend, he talked about how the lives of the, the families have been degraded. Look, the people that we're talking about, whether we're talking about Manassian, whether we're talking about Robert Picton, uh, Bernardo, uh, Bissonnette in, in Quebec, the, the one who uh, gunned down uh, Muslim worshipers, none of them are ever getting out of the bucket because the opportunity to have a hearing is not the same thing as getting out. Clifford Olson had hearings. Yeah. Clifford Olson didn't get out. So this isn't about me defending liberals or, or conservatives or or, or or justices. This is about the charter. And uh, we have the, the charter of rights and, and freedoms. And some people don't, don't like the charter, but that's where we derive our rights from. And if a law doesn't pass constitutional uh, muster uh, it's going to get struck down. Stephen Harper knew that. Uh, a lot of politicians want to pass. If they, they're doing the, the tough on crime, the law and order file. Fine. I'm a law and order guy. I'm a tough on crime guy, but I'm a constitutional guy at the end of the trail. Uh, this is a nation known of men and women. This is a nation of laws, and the charter is our law. And sometimes a politician doesn't really care, to be brutally honest. Uh, the politician goes, I may, may, maybe I can't have the law. Maybe it'll be struck down down the road. But I but I got the politics. I got the issue.
0: I'm on the right side of the issue. Yeah. You you mentioned Alexandre Pissonette, and I should mention that the decision that was released Friday relates to that. It was uh, released in the case of of his desire to seek parole after serving 25 years behind bars. Not that he has yet, but when when he does uh, after fatally shooting, as you mentioned, six uh, Worshippers at a Quebec City mosque, six Muslim worshipers back in 2017. I, You know, Charles, I've had these uh, interesting conversations with a friend of mine and she works, uh, she's a counselor. Uh, I don't know what her actual title is within corrections, uh, but she works with, like, this is not what they're called, uh, this is the colloquial term, but like heinous offenders, like the worst of the worst, right? People that have sexually abused children and, and murderers and stuff like that. I mean, her job is is remarkably stressful and, and uh, she doesn't talk much about it uh, and she can't talk much about it. And we don't ask much about it, um, but we've had some interesting conversations. She's um, held my feet to the fire for comments that I've made on the radio in past. Uh, you know, Clifford Olson would be a, a a good example of where I've asserted that I don't believe um, and again, people will say, well, what does your belief have to do with it? There should be evidence, and I'm not citing evidence, and this is just real talk, and this is my opinion, to be clear, but, but I, I just, quite frankly, Charles, uh, don't believe that, for example, a, a child sex offender, someone that, that sexually abuses children, or that somebody that kidnaps or kills children... Uh, can be rehabilitated. Um, I'm not sure that there's somebody that's been sexually abusing or killing children that all of a sudden has this epiphany, this moment in prison where all of a sudden they're not. Uh, and, and again, I know that this would probably, uh, we will probably get some angry emails and that's fine. I'm just, this is my opinion. And I know that people have talked about, well, there can be chemical castration or there can be different measures. there can be whatever. Uh, my thought has always been, and this probably wouldn't stand up in front of the Supreme Court of Canada. That's fine. But I'm probably not the only Canadian that feels a little bit more comfortable that, that a, a, a serial predator, uh would be kept behind bars for the rest of their life right uh that's just something i think that the general public most people would say yeah i mean that sounds sort of like the right way to handle it um but at the same time the supreme court saying that that perspective that i'm having that i'm espousing here um is degrading and it's inhumane and and that's the court's ruling and i think that there are some some comments here that that are that are correct you know for example on on our live chat you know we've got people saying like Glenna for example watching live good morning Glenna says says you know eligibility for parole doesn't mean it will ever happen and she's right uh but I find myself just kind of the the like human being side of me just the real part of me I'm not I'm not a lawyer I'm not a judge I'm not a counselor I'm not a mental health professional um and I don't know if I have I don't know if I'm cut from the cloth I don't know if I have what it would take to be that type of person but I just I don't know I when it comes to inhumane and again this is maybe dumbing down the conversation, but when it comes to inhumanity <laughs> in what we're talking about, the most inhumane thing is the, the actions of the perpetrator, not the fact that they're behind bars for the rest of their life without eligibility for parole. But I don't know. That's just I don't know. That's just where my head's at with it.
4: Look, uh, you know, I'm 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 very very close to you in many ways, and I'm on exactly the same page as you on, on all of this. I you know I just I just know that um, countries that don't have uh, a strong constitutional foundation with, uh, you know, separation of uh, justice from from your emotions and mine, uh, it just tends not to work out very well. But here's the, uh, you know, I, last week we, we talked about, you know, we, we talked about, you know, who to vote for in Alberta, the Conservative, the UCP, uh, uh, Liberal Party, to the extent that there's a Liberal Party, the Alberta Party, the NDP. and And I'm so much for, at some point, just Trashing, uh, not, you can't trash the political system or uh, the party system, obviously. But I just, just trashing this idea that you know we have to vote for parties. I want to vote for human beings. Uh, I care about human beings here, and I just want to ask you, human being to human being, do you have enough faith in the human beings, your fellow Canadian human beings, at a parole board? Uh, enough faith to, to to believe. In this case, it is you know on on faith, I suppose, uh, because it hasn't happened yet. But do you believe that Robert Pickton will ever see uh, any liberty? Uh, do you think Paul Bernardo will ever be allowed out? Do you think Bissonette will ever be allowed out or Vanasse? I mean, I could go down the list. I mean, do you do you have a, do you have a belief that somehow the parole board down the road Will become uh, so twisted and and mangled and degraded that they will degrade our country and they will degrade the victims of these the the the, the families of these victims by allowing these people out because I just I, I, and I, I don't mean to be rude here uh, I I need to load the barrel and answer my own question and then ask you for your, uh, your answer uh, if if I were to believe that uh, I would. Um, Cease to have any joy in life, okay? Because I would cease to have any confidence in my fellow human beings. I'm a social animal. I'm not an island. I'm not a rock. I'm a Canadian. And if, if I actually started to believe that parole boards would be releasing Robert Pickton's into our country, um, I, I honestly don't know what I would do with my Canadian passport.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I have to assume that there would be public outrage, Uh, then again, if, if you look at the mechanism of how the justice system or the legal system is supposed to work, uh, it has nothing to do and should not be influenced by public outrage right and so I mean gosh we were talked to journalist Jana Pruden I think it was last Tuesday uh, if I remember correctly about her feature and, and her relationship that she was able to develop with David Milgard, uh, who obviously passed away just a short time ago and and you know I mean perhaps outrage is what led to quite frankly shoddy police work that essentially convicted or led to the arrest and conviction of an innocent man and so we don't want our judicial Judicial system to be influenced by public outrage, uh, but at the same time, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'd probably be one of those that would be out with a picket sign. Were someone like Paul Bernard, I mean, but then like, Carla Hamolka's out, so I, you know, I, I don't, I don't well, know. Yeah, like, is, Car- that, is it that it, ridiculous a... to suggest that Bernardo could be out if Hamolka's out?
4: Well, hang on, hang on. No, Car- Car- Carla Hamolka different. Carla Hamolka did a deal. Uh, it was called a deal with the devil at the time. I was actually in. Uh, you know, Southern Ontario at the time it had. sometimes I feel like Forrest Gump. You know, I've been too close to too many yeah. situations. I've got too much to say. But in the case of uh, Carla Homolka, it was the grossest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and most most police would agree with that. And most justices and most lawyers would agree with that. But for some reason, uh, they believed that without Carla Homolka uh, helping them uh, to convict Paul Bernardo, it couldn't have happened. And she got a, a deal for that, just like a lot of snitches um, and others get get deals uh, to help uh, bring about convictions. So Carla Molka uh, did not uh, get convicted the way Bernardo did in, in in the case of the law. And sometimes the law is an ass. God knows the law was an ass in in that particular case. And so Hamolka did have the opportunity um, to get freedom because she did not get. Um, the, the same penalty, the same conviction uh, that uh, that Bernardo got. Had it yeah. not been for uh, Carla Homolka helping uh, with that uh, tape, uh, that uh, was the the smoking tape, the smoking gun, as it were. Had she not help, had she not helped provide that evidence, um, you wouldn't have the situation that we're talking. about. So I, I think it's a bit of a an apples and oranges. In in, in my perfect world, would Carla Homolka be in 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 prison for life? Absolutely. It, it, in in my world, if I have to make a, a, a value judgment here, there's not a dime's worth of difference between Carla Homolka and, and Paul Bernardo.
0: That's Charles Adler, the Titan of Talk. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Adler. Catch him here every second Monday on Real Talk. Be well, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You got it. Jill says, does anybody know what it's like to be a woman and see a post you know, or a, a public release from police that says, you know, at person X is being released today? Uh, we believe this sex offender is likely to reoffend, uh, so okay, good luck out there, ladies. You know what about the ones again, the, the ones that have uh, targeted children, right? You know, police letting you know it happens every week in in a Canadian city. Every week, a police department. You know, FYI, this person is being released, and we believe there's a high likelihood they will reoffend. Uh, and a lot of you are going to say, so what, Jesperson? Your your take is that you should jail people based on what they might do or what you think they're going to do, right? the way that our sentencing works is that you've paid your debt to society and if you've paid your debt to society then society owes it to you to have a chance to rehabilitate yourself to to live a new and renewed life i mean those releases to me are gut wrenching right like you know and, and if you talk to police officers they'll tell you that you know these folks that are released you know are, are under more surveillance than anybody realizes and but then you also talk to cops that will tell you that resources are strained and that they they aren't able to oversee everything that they're wanting to or they're not able to surveil every person that demands that type of supervision or whatever you want to call it. We're not going to solve these issues here on the show, but we promise you we'll keep talking about them, and we sincerely care about where you land on this. We welcome your emails anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We're talking about criminal justice. Maybe that's an area of interest for you. Maybe that's a career opportunity for you. You know, at Athabasca University, Canada's online university, there are hundreds and hundreds of different world-class accredited online programs and courses that offer you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You want to look into a career in criminal justice? You can check out their programs and courses under the drop down menu at athabaskau.ca. Or maybe it's something completely different human resources, artificial intelligence, science, whatever. They've got it for you at athabaskau.ca. You know, over the weekend, my little guy and I, Wyatt Rudy, popped back the Dairy Queen, Northwest Edmonton Dairy Queen in Westmount. I'm happy to report that he gave 100%. I asked him, it was a two thumbs up grade to the Oreo Dirt Pie Blizzard. This is the one he especially liked the gummy worms in there. He goes, dad, there's gummy worms in the Blizzard. I said, I know, kiddo. I went with the, uh, the Drumstick Blizzard this time. Okay. And we brought mama home the Strawberry Cheesecake Blizzard. Now that's not on the special summer menu. The Strawberry Cheesecake is one of the OG Blizzards. You can get that anytime. I highly recommend it. I had to tax Carrie's Blizzard as I was bringing it home. I had to tax it. <laughs> two scoops. That strawberry cheesecake Blizzard is something special. You can ask for them and let them know that Real Talk sent you at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. That's Baseline Road, Westmount, Newcastle, New and Palisades. Now, you know, oh, and by the way, I wanted to mention, I had a, a question. I, saw, I fielded this question I saw in our live chat from Tracy who wondered, is there any baby news there is no baby, baby watch news.
1: 2022.
0: We're on baby right watch now. 2022 breaking the, news. The entire team is on baby watch. Nothing has happened. Nothing yet. And uh, I was waiting this, but this weekend. This is is could be an hour by hour. Put it this way. I turned the ringer on my phone for the first time. The ringer is turned on for about the first time in three years. Uh, <laughs> so, so you're ready. I got to make sure that I'm ready to answer the call of duty. I might call you uh, when it arrives. Uh, please don't call me. <laughs> um. <laughs> If you're not my wife or my mom, please don't call me. I'm trying to bug you. You can text least me any time. Right. Uh, but, but here's the deal, Real Talkers, and if you subscribe to our Real Talk Sunday message, it's easy and it's free, obviously, to subscribe. You go to ryanjesperson.com, scroll to the bottom of the page. You can subscribe to our email. You'll get it every Sunday night. It lets you know some of the highlights from the week that was and some of the highlights we're looking forward to in the week to come. And we let you know in the Real Talk Sunday message that that uh, if there's no baby, we'll be doing shows every day this week per usual and if there is an arrival then we will let you know by way of our official Twitter account at Real Talk RJ and of course you can follow my personal account as well at Ryan Jesperson uh, and we'll let you know what's going on with the team and uh, with this new arrival we're obviously all very excited uh, in our household and we thank you for all of the well wishes we we see you we hear you your messages on Kerry's Instagram at Carry Skelton and mine as well it really really means a lot Every Monday, our friends at Kubi Energy get us, you know, our weeks really started off on the right foot. They get us focused on the positive, the stories that don't always get told in the news headlines and call it positive reflections. And I want to thank a real talker, Devin Hargraves, for putting this story on our radar. Devin and his wife, Miranda Uh, have been uh, providing shelter. They've been providing hospitality uh, for refugees from Ukraine down in their home city of Lethbridge. And this is such a great story. If you want to see it in its entirety, you can check out Devin's Twitter at Devin Hargraves. He says, my wife Miranda and I are just incredibly grateful to Dr. Chuck and the folks at Clearly Dental in Lethbridge, he says, as well as an incredibly generous anonymous donor, who covered some costs check this out this story is very very cool john can you put up that photo for me this is great this is uh julia it's one of their new friends uh she had braces on and they were out of their depth says Devin, and navigating getting the braces removed it was time for them to come off and they had to arrange retainers as well it's the next step of getting your teeth straight right so they had to figure out coverage and financial support it's not cheap And uh, so people started making phone calls and setting up appointments and driving uh, these new Canadians from Ukraine to their appointments. And so combined family all worked together and essentially came up with a deal. Dr. Chuck was the one that was able to make this happen for them, which is just such a cool move. They said, we can't thank the very kind individual. They don't even know who it is, an anonymous donor contributing all of the necessary funding to make sure that these orthodontic services happen. Devin says, I'm still picking my jaw up off the floor. The cost was not insignificant. Says it's very much appreciated, says Devin Lethbridge is a city with open hearts and I couldn't be more proud to call this place home. These are the small things. I mean, they're not small in the lives of people who need these services like Julia, who's new to Canada, but the stories that don't always lead the headlines, but they're the stories that remind us that everyday folks are taking big steps to welcome refugees to Canada, to eliminate financial barriers for people who don't have access to things like dental care, who are restoring our faith in humanity or reminding us that good is out there. If you have a positive reflection, you'd like to share with us. We welcome your submissions. You can email them to the show. Of course, you can hit us up on social media as well, Instagram or Twitter. Just use the hashtag RealtalkRJ. Positive Reflections presented every Monday, or at least the first show of every week by our friends at Kubi Energy. And you can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. Our Real Talk Roundtable on Friday featured three Edmonton City councillors and their response to a letter from Alberta's Justice Minister suggesting they're not doing enough to be tough on downtown crime. Coming up tomorrow, we'll get a response from the top, the mayor of Edmonton, Amarjeet Sohi, will join us. His response to Minister Tyler Shandro calling him out. In the meantime, make it a great Monday, friends. Thank you for joining us for Real Talk. Thanks for liking, subscribing, and sharing our content, leaving a comment on exactly the shows that have resonated with you and letting us know why. It helps fuel our editorial process. It helps us ensure that Real Talk happens every day right here. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Technical producer John Hicks. Managing director Josh Dunford. Account coordinator Lawrence Derlego. General manager Katie Cook Chivers. Website design Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duveti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group, Incorporated. all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.